This podcast is for general information only. It is not intended as a substitute for general health care services. If you have medical conditions, you need to see your doctor. Use of this information is at the user's own risk. Welcome to FitRx with Dr. Greg Dennis. Join me as we challenge the standard sick model of healthcare. This is your source for everything health, wellness, prevention, fitness, biohacking, and more. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of FitRx. I'm your host, Dr. Greg Dennis. Uh, if you will forgive my voice, uh, it's fall in Oklahoma. Allergies are crazy for me, and um, I've had a lot of drainage, and I'm about to lose it. But uh, I told my guests we're going to try to get through this episode. I'm sure we will. Um, so you have heard me here before. Obviously, I talk a lot about you know low carb, other types of nutrition. You have heard me talk about uh, specifically the carnivore diet before, uh, but it's been a little while since we've discussed that. And and any time that I find somebody that does that, especially uh, a doctor in the medical profession, I, I kind of jump on that opportunity to just pick their brain a little. And so I, I don't, somebody recommended this, my next guest, and I can't remember who it was, but you probably are listening out there. So thank you. But uh, my guest today is Dr. Lisa Wiedemann. Uh, she is an optometrist up uh, in New Jersey. Uh, <clears throat> she is uh, otherwise known as the Carnivore Doctor, which is what her website is, and I'll share that later in the podcast. Uh, but she has been doing this uh, type of lifestyle for 14 years, and so she is very uh, experienced in this. Uh, and so, gosh, that was, she's probably one of the original ones, even before it was kind of cool. And so, um, just excited to kind of pick her brain about this. And, uh, so yeah, we're just going to hear about her story, uh, how she got into this, uh, style of eating and, um, learn a little bit more about it. If you are new to the carnivore diet, if you have not heard my previous podcast, then, uh, I think you're going to going to be very excited to hear about just the potential benefits of this style of eating. So, uh, Dr. Wiedemann, uh, just, uh, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me, Dr. Dennis. I'm thrilled to be here because I have such a passion to help, um, educate, inform, inspire, and motivate anybody who's willing to have an open mind, uh, to this type of thing, because I know it seems pretty dramatic, pretty drastic, pretty unusual um, compared to the standard American diet. So I have just through all of my years of being in this, and I do um, group coaching and one-on-one -on -one coaching just um, really because so many reach out and it was my way of saying, okay, let me dedicate time to this because I am in the you know, I really have such a benefit in that I found it so long ago. And back when I found it, I was angry. I hadn't learned about it, heard about it and found it many years prior because my history is of suffering and really kind of unbeknownst to me at the time um, as I went through life. I'm 58 right now, um, but I didn't realize that I had a sugar carb, processed food uh, addiction. Um, many don't realize that that really truly is an addiction and to certain extents with different people. But 
I suffered binge eating, eating disorders, and just full on couldn't help myself, couldn't figure out why I couldn't uh, control it. And it was a 30 year misery for me. And I looked at it like, wow, I'm a smart woman. I've got a lot going for me. Why can I not figure this out? And I had tried all sorts of things through the years because weight was always an issue. My parents are obese. My brother's obese. I was chubby-ish as a kid until I hit about 14, which was when the whole um, eating disorders started. And it became a really a, a, a passion of mine once I did figure this out because I went through the cabbage soup diet. I went through, you know, all sorts of anything and everything that most of us go through to try to get weight off, keep weight off. And then I started figuring out through uh, a lot of research and reading all about paleo. Uh, and I read a book called The Schwartzbein Principle and Neanderthin. And it was starting to click and connect with me that these things were saying, you got to not eat sugar and flour. So that was the start of it for me. Uh, this was prior to finding the carnivore, which back then we called zero carb, but it was a very uh, important period of time for me where I thought, wow, there is, if I eliminate the sugar and the flour, I'm doing much better. But then what would happen is I'm right back in the ditch and couldn't really figure out why. Uh, then there's Atkins. And then there was trying to think of all sorts of different things in between, but a lot of research and internet surfing, thank goodness, back then, this was before Facebook and Instagram. Uh, YouTube, I think, had started just prior to this, but I found a group called Zeroing In on Health run by Charles Washington. And it was a group of people who had figured out they were on a forum, a low carb forum, and figured out that doing the induction phase of Atkins, which is, I don't, I don't really, I don't think I actually read the entire book and did it in its entirety, but basically, you know, it's low carb, but the induction phase, the first two weeks is essentially carnivore. You're eating meat, bacon, butter, eggs. And this group of people said, wow, we did so great on it. Why do we have to stop? Why do we have to climb the carb ladder? And then it came to thinking about all the people that say, oh yeah, I tried that Atkins thing and did great. I lost lots of weight, but I put it back on. Well, that's because people go back thinking they're done with the diet and they're going back to the way they ate, not realizing that Really, we want to get back to our addictive foods. We want to get back to pizza and ice cream and chocolate and chips and anything and everything that you really used as comfort for those of us who eat. And there's many of us who eat for emotional reasons and not just truly out of hunger as we should. And yeah, so finding that group was the turning point for me. It was March 9th, 2009. I can tell you to the day. And I thought, all right, these people are crazy. What do you mean? I'm just going to eat 
basically meat, seafood, eggs, and dairy and anything that came from an animal. And I, and I was very attentive when I went onto this little forum that Charles Washington formed because they got kicked off of the low carb one. And there was women in there who were talking about their sugar addiction and food addiction and binging and how it, this resolved it. So I said, well, I'm jumping in. I don't know if this is healthy. I'm jumping in and I'm going to start doing my research. And yeah, then people were sharing the fat of the land, not by bread alone, the writings of Owsley Stanley, who had been doing this for about 40 years at that point. And I thought, wow, as I'm, as I'm really talking with these people and reading and understanding, I said, and myself feeling better because my problem back on paleo, I would be cleaning strawberries for my kids and every other one would go in my mouth. Well, strawberries are paleo, but guess what? They're sweet and they drive the cravings and it continued my my issues. So yeah, it, it became, I'm gonna say miraculous for me. I wanted to shout it from the rooftops. I wanted to, uh, because then all these other people in there from all different walks of life, some were saying this resolved my arthritis. This got rid of my psoriasis. This got rid of my Crohn's and IBS. This got rid of my, you name it, XYZ, hypertension, diabetes, bipolar. There was somebody in there who resolved themselves, anxiety, depression. I thought, holy smokes, <laughs> this is pretty unbelievable. And then it was the thought of, well, this is the way man was intended to eat all along. And the more I did it, the better I felt, the more I, I, I really embraced the fact that what I was doing was right, that my body was not going to lead me astray by eating the most nutrient dense foods available. And then of course, the studies kept, you know, we had to keep looking into, well, why can we be healthy and not eat fruit and vegetable like we're brainwashed to think we have to do? And all the information was coming out about that. And yeah, eventually I just kind of settled into life and just was going about what I was doing and kind of stayed quiet about it because I realized really quickly, nobody really wants to hear about this really crazy, wacky thing that I'm doing. And I felt like I was flying my freak flag and I just got quiet about it because heck, I don't care what anybody else eats. You shouldn't care what I eat. And onward I went until the point where I was kind of scrolling through whatever might is probably Instagram. And I saw it was probably maybe Sean Baker who had been on Joe Rogan. And I read in the comments, people like, well, that's all well and good, but how about five years from now when you have a heart attack? This is not sustainable. You can't do this long-term. So I just kind of felt like I needed to raise my hand and say, uh, wait a minute, here I am. <laughs> yes, this is sustainable. And yes, it's healthy. Well, let me go back if I could. Uh, so was your primary motivation just for weight loss or did you have other you know, health issues that you were trying to... Uh, take care of? Yeah. Fortunately for me, my um, destructive 30 year history of what I was doing, uh, binging, and um, that really, fortunately for me, didn't end up 
yet at that point in diabetes or um, you know any other severe health issues. I was fortunate. I I guess caught caught it at 44, and it was pretty much I'd been doing it since 14 years old. And uh, yeah, for me the it was monumental. Though I was in such a deep hole of distraught, just um, knowing that eventually I was going to kill myself with this. And so that was my big, huge why I say people come to this have to have their significant why, or else you don't typically look into giving up your bread, your pasta, your rice, um, and everything else. Yeah. So as you were looking at this and uh, I guess, like I said, you, you realized your sugar addiction, you realized you wanted to lose some weight and you're a medical professional. And I guess you were at that time as well, correct? Yeah. Okay. So as you're, you know, maybe looking at a lifestyle change um, and, and you came across this as a medical professional, and as you um, mentioned, like this is contrary to everything that's taught, uh, you know, in, in kind of uh, standard healthcare. I mean, what, what were your thoughts? Did, were you like, okay, yeah, this is just, this is nuts. I mean, what, what made you, I mean, you kind of talked about it, but what made you decide, Hey, this is, you know, this is good. I think it may be healthy. What made you make that jump? Yeah. Well, it was an instantaneous jump. As soon as my, I laid my eyes on the forums in that, um, in that website that where these women were saying they were resolved and just totally relieved of cravings and their addictive um, behavior. And at that point, you know what? I just, it was, sounds crazy, but I didn't care what it took. I wanted out of that misery that, like I said, I really felt was, was eventually going to kill me. And so it was a quick jump. I just jumped off the cliff and said, here I go. But at that moment of saying, you know what, I'm going to go on the testimony, the anecdotal evidence of these two women that were in there writing, and maybe I'm going to be three. And yeah, my N equals one experiment. I just was so, uh, at, but of course I don't take my health health lightly. And I thought, well, gosh, I, I thought if this is going to resolve this problem, but then cause a whole other host of problems with either the whole cholesterol issue and all that with the fatty red meat. And what do you think you're doing? Not getting all the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients from the fruits and the vegetables. And, but what happened is as I felt better and better and was going right along with more and more people coming into this and resolving themselves of all sorts of ills. I thought, this is pretty powerful. There's something to this. And then we would um, share different uh, bits of information about how the vitamins and minerals that are, are in vegetables are really not as bioavailable as they are in meat and organs. And that there's not, there's a lot to be said. You can read the book Fiber Menace about not eating any fiber and that we really don't do not need any undigestible cellulose that's in fruit and vegetable. And maybe that's the causative issue of polyps and colon issues. And so it really came down to my own experience as I was going through it, 
it as far as let's say a, an entire year, I just said, you know what, let me, let me see what happens. And I got blood work. Everything was perfect. I didn't have scurvy from no vitamin C because evidently you're there, you get plenty and all you need um, from eating carnivore and that it is actually from eating all the other carbs in a typical diet that then requires someone to need a higher amount of vitamin C. And yeah, there was just so much information that we were coming up with. And then the big, big bonus for me was when all these other medical professionals were coming on board. You have Dr. Sean Baker, an orthopedic surgeon who was healing his patients by telling them to try this crazy carnivore thing. And they'd come back six months later and give them a hug and cancel their surgery. And then there was, um, you know, we have Dr. Phil Ovadia, who's a heart surgeon, a cardiac surgeon. And he himself had his own why that drove him to it as a cardiologist who was obese and trying to instruct patients how to be heart healthy. And he figured it out by turning to this whole carnivore thing and resolving his issues. And now he's very outspoken about it. He's, he's my hero because, you know, for me, I I'd say my, my issue became as an eye doctor and I've been an eye doctor over 32 years, I realized that this was curing people's autoimmune issues. And mm -hmm. I'd have a patient come in with bilateral uveitis, which is a pretty serious inflammation of the eyes. And when you have it in both eyes, instead of just one, it indicates a systemic issue. And I had a woman come in who had repeated episodes and blood work done and all sorts of issues. And her, um, her rheumatologist couldn't figure it out. And she was at her wits end. And she told me, I'm ready to, I'm ready to just do juicing. And, and I go, Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> that just hit a chord with me. I said, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I want you to look into this and look into this and this and start going down the rabbit hole with that. And she came back in for her follow-up um, like literally two weeks later for her, um, initial follow-up off of her eye inflammation. And she had tears in her eyes. She goes, I can't even tell you how much better I feel already. And then she'd come back a month later and she literally hugged me and was crying and said, you do not know how you changed my life. And my rheumatologist can't even believe it. And it was things like that. And then I had a patient with se severe, Mybomian gland dysfunction, getting chalazion, all those styes and red, irritated and miserable. And, you know, typical, my, what, what I'm taught to do is get out the prescription pad and write the prescription for a mild, um, low grade antibiotic called doxycycline that has anti-inflammatory properties to it and put them on this. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm going to tell this gentleman to try this crazy thing. If he so wants uh, after he looks into it. And he, um, six months later, I happened to have what I, we call meetups. I hosted one at my my home and he replied because he was following me on Instagram. He showed up at my door. He said, I'm down to my high school weight. I'm, you know, I lost 40 pounds and my eyes are perfect. They've never been better. And it's just one thing after another that just kept proving to me we're not, I'm not doing something wrong here. Mm -hmm. I'm not harming my health. If we get all the toxins out of our body, 
our bodies are meant to evolve. And I, there was just nothing that I had seen that was, was actually proving me wrong or making me question what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. As a, as a primary care physician, uh, what I've found specifically for carnivore, and I don't tell everybody to, to, you know, go eat carnivore, although I do not certainly do not think it's an unhealthy way. It's obviously very restrictive, but specifically for people with autoimmune disease, as you mentioned, I mean, it's, it's a game changer. Uh, and, and so for those that have tried other things, can't, you know, just can't get on top of their autoimmune disease. Something like a carnivore diet is fantastic. Uh, I, I want to go back to the beginning quickly and ask one more question. You know, if you said you, you were kind of researching this stuff and, you know, if you would have found uh, forums on veganism or vegetarian, which I am not a fan of, but I'm, I'm certain you could have found forums out there and people making the statement, Oh, you know, my, my health has gotten so much better. Did you find those? I mean, what was it about, the carnivore that you're like, yeah, this is it. And not something like the, you know, veganism or something. Yeah. I have to just think about that for a moment. Um, yeah, I'm going to say the, the issue for me with finding this was that for, well, I'm going to say fortunate for me, I didn't come across a vegan forum, uh, first, (laughs) uh, because I really do not feel that is a healthy way to eat. I think that we have to, you know, he, the, the the real difficulty of this all is there's so much conflicting information. Mm-hmm. There really is. And I think the big part of why initially vegetarian and veganism is beneficial and people find benefits to a lot of things is because well, they should be not always do they, but they should be eliminating the same things that, got eliminated from my way of eating too, which is getting rid of sugars, grains, processed food, and seed oils. To me, those are the crux of disease. Those dang seed oils that are in everything, canola oil, soybean oil, they're in everything. They're everywhere. The restaurants cook in it. Even when you think you're getting a healthy slab of a nice piece of you know, wild caught Alaskan salmon, they squirt that stuff in the pan and cook it in there because there's a low smoke point it doesn't um it doesn't give a, a flavor to because they just want them and they want the nice sear on it so they they use it all the time you get a nice healthy omelet they squirt the stuff in the pan they even deep fry bacon in that stuff in many places and so when you come to a diet like let's say vegetarian or vegan and you are then eliminating a lot of processed foods and getting healthier by eliminating. Well, see, but the thing is that sugar is still part of that diet, um, typically gluten, grains, and all that. Um, but depending on what version of vegetarian people do, um, they can reap health benefits by switching to it, but a lot of it has to do with eliminating the toxic foods. So yeah, I think that I, 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 I'm, I'm fortunate that I went this route, found this first, because there are so many vegetarians and vegans that are flipping on a dime to carnivore after many years of vegetarianism and their health 
eventually starts to deteriorate because it is not an optimal diet and there are missing components to it. And there's nothing healthier than um, protein and fat. And we need really fatty meat and we don't need carbohydrates at all. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, So let's talk about that transition. So you, you found this, you kind of jumped head first, it sounds like. So what was that like for you? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you probably at least had temporarily, you know, maybe a keto, what we call the keto flu. If you were eating all these carbohydrates, um, you know, just talk about that kind of, I know it was a long time ago for you, but talk about maybe that first week. And then obviously you began to feel good and, and you were sold on this, but talk about that initial. So for me, actually, I had a fairly easy transition because I had been up to that point dabbling in and out because I was still had my, my, my issues. Um, but with paleo, um, with low carb. And so I was already eliminating bread, pasta, rice. Um, I was already, uh, I, you know, potatoes, all that kind of stuff, the starchy stuff. And so switching then was more of a, um, (laughs) I, I, it was more of a difficulty in just things that you're that you're used to and social issues and um yeah I, I think it and and also just things that you really do truly love and like that as time went on I'm realizing mm, not so good for me um you know go go to a diner and get an omelet, I wanted a toast or toasted bagel with it. And just to wrap my brain around the fact that no, 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 you're not eating bread ever again. That's not good for you. And, and the, so the transition was, was, I'd say more mental. Um, I didn't have the keto flu. Um, but once I gave everything up, I mean, typically most people four to six weeks, they are, they're, they're, they're typically in, in keto adapted and kind of, on the road to improvements rather than dealing with some weird side effects. Some people get diarrhea, some people get little heart palpitations. Some people get a very low dip in energy while their body switches to burning ketones instead of glucose. So yeah, my transition was pretty easy. And like you said, I had such positive, my, 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 (laughs) my goal was, already happening of being relieved of cravings and binging that I was so ecstatic. I said, damn, this better be healthy for me because I can't see stopping. Hmm. Okay. Well, what did your friends and family say when you told them I'm just eating meat? I mean, you're in the medical profession, so I'm sure you had some colleagues that thought you were crazy, maybe family members too. Talk about what that experience was like. Yeah. So the first couple of weeks, I actually didn't say anything to anybody because I was like, you know what, let me just fly under the radar here and see how I feel and see if this really is what these people, these crazy people that I ran into on the internet are saying. And so I just decided, you know, I'm not making any big proclamation here. Let's just eat the meat. And you know, at the time, my my husband and kids, they kind of already knew mom a lot of times didn't do the bread, didn't do the pasta or the rice. So I just made like, I don't know, I grill up two or three different selections of meats and I'd make them a rice and a veggie and I just didn't eat it. So that was pretty simple at the at the beginning for that. But then, of course, yeah, 
it it's it it comes out and it was very very difficult. You got a picture 14 years ago. It's not like it is now. There was no big keto movement. There was and even now carnivore. I I I go into some restaurants and I order and I order the way I order now and the the waiter go, "Oh, are you doing that carnivore thing?" and I'd say, "Yes, as a matter of fact, I am." <laughs> and so it's become more acceptable, but mm-hmm. yeah, it was um I I, I feel like I at least had the benefit of being a medical professional that um, people didn't just think I was a, a total wackadoodle. Um, but there's still, I have to say, uh, there was a lot of eyebrow raising. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? How could that be healthy? <laughs> yeah. So here you are 14 years later, uh, you've been doing this lifestyle, which is incredible. Uh, let's talk about you know, your health now, I mean, you, you look great. Uh, you know, people can't see you, uh, but I mean, you, you said you're 57 or 58. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so your complexion is, is fantastic. So, uh, just talk about kind of where you're at now, you know, 14 years later. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. 14 years later, I can't even believe it, but I look back and I, like I said earlier, I, I, I'm, I'm so, mad that I couldn't have found it earlier and missed out on a lot of suffering. But yeah, it's just so normal for me. So easy. I don't feel restricted at all. Um, I'm never bored. People say, don't you get bored eating meat all the time? I'm like, no, no, you know, no. You know what's boring? Boring is standing in line at the pharmacy for a prescription and boring is sitting in the waiting room of a doctor's office. That's boring. I don't have to do that. I just eat any of uh, a wide, wide variety. I can have oxtail. I can have, you know, you name it. There's so, but it's so simple. It's so easy. It's so beautiful. There's, and it's not that expensive. People say, well, that's expensive. No, there's no waste. Um, You know, I can just change it up between ground beef and ribeyes. And I, I, I find that as time has gone on, it's just so simple and easy, just sticking with the things that I love and, um, yeah, life has become very, very simple as far as food is concerned. And I love that. I really, I love it. Well, take us through a, a typical day, uh, food wise. So what is, you may not eat, you know, three meals a day, but, but if you do take us through a, a you know, typical breakfast, lunch and supper. Yeah. The one thing with this way of eating that, um, many transition to is, and for me, it's become this as far as eating really twice a day is all I get hungry. I don't wake up and instantly eat. I'm not hungry in the morning. So it might be nine, 10, 11 o'clock when I get the first hunger pang. So I feel I just call it meal one and meal two. I don't call it breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And so I will, um, <laughs> yeah, people say, well, do you eat a lot of bacon and eggs? And I'm like, no, no, not really. Like the night before, if I'm grilling um, steaks or like I do like, I don't know, four or five New York strips at once. And I will put, I'll eat one and I'll put two in the fridge and one in the freezer. And the next morning I just pull out, I love cold steak. I'll just eat a cold New York strip for my first meal of the day. And then when I get hungry again, it might be um, I make a, an amazing seafood bisque 
out of sardines and cod livers and it sounds gross, but butter and some bacon. And I just whisk it up in 10 minutes. And then I might add in mussels and shrimp and scallops and crab meat. And I make a big batch of that and I'll freeze little, you know, individual containers of that. And I'll have that maybe with my pork chop or ribs or whatever meat I'm having. Cause a lot of people who think about this and just start doing this. They're like, what do you have with it? What do you have on the side? And most time I don't eat a side. I just eat meat until I'm full and I stop. And that was the other beautiful thing. I'm not counting calories. I'm not restricting myself. I eat until I'm satiated and um, yeah, just go about my day. Hmm. Uh, do you, do you cheat? Uh, I know I've, I've had uh, Anthony Chafee on the podcast. I mean, he's very strict. He doesn't drink coffee, doesn't do anything. And uh, I mean, do you do anything else like drink coffee or are you just super strict like he is? Well, so I gave up coffee about four years into this. So about 10 years ago. And the reason really, this was, wasn't me researching and deciding that this is not a health thing. I got to give it up. No, it was, once I wasn't addicted to the sugar and the carbs and the processed foods and that, I didn't want to be addicted to anything. And I started looking around and seeing the habits and you get up, you feel sluggish, you got to have your coffee. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm really, coffee is a seed, it's not a bean, it's roasted ground up and boiling waters poured over it. And then you're bathing your microbiome with it every day, aside from it being a psychotropic drug. And it's a pesticide. It's naturally a pesticide to ward off predators from eating it. And it's not a health food. So I'm, I'm, I'm a big proponent of trying to talk to people in my groups about that might be something potentially you want to try. Um, and we have alternative, you know, I, I talk about people ways to do that because nobody wants to give up their favorite little friend and that morning ritual. And I say, you can have hot bone broth with whiskey and a tablespoon of butter. It's delicious. Or I have a hot nog drink because it's that ritual. We like the warmth and all that. So, but realistically it messes up your sleep. It messes up your hormones, your cortisol, your adrenals, your triglycerides, it affects, and it's not a health food. And if you're on a mission to relieve yourself of any sort of disease and medication, you have to seriously think that man on earth, we're we're not intended to um, make coffee, go pick coffee, the seeds and roast them and grind them. And it's not, it's not normal to our bodies. So um, yeah, I'm I'm a pretty big proponent of trying to educate about the the coffee thing. Uh, you know, you've been doing this a long time. And so I'm sure that, you know, you probably don't have a a ton of cravings anymore, but I mean, is there something that you miss? You know, if you, if you go to a birthday party, you're like, man, I wish I could have that birthday cake and ice cream, or man, I'd sure love to drink a beer or have a cocktail or have a brownie or, I mean, is there anything you miss? So like going back to your prior question about, do you cheat? Um, which is kind of like this question too, like, wouldn't you kind of just cheat at a wedding and have some wedding cake or why, you know, why wouldn't you feel like you could at least have a bite of something? So, you know, cheating, um, it's, it's cheating myself. I've already, and it's not that I can't have any of that. I can have it at any moment. It's that I now choose not to, it's the choice because 
I know better. I know what it does to me. I know, you know, sugar feeds cancer cells. So why would I put sugar in my body? I know it's inflammatory. So why would I put it in my body? It becomes a choice and it becomes very empowering to say, it's, it's not that I can't have it. I, I really don't want to put that in my body. Uh, so that's, therein lies where the, um, that the mindset has to change because we need to change our relationship with food because food has become such an entertaining event. Everything surrounding it's, it's food. Where are we going? What are we eating? What do you bring in? Everything. And so, and then aside from that, we have a lifelong history where we turn to food either out of stress, boredom, anxiety, anger. We, we, we use food to fill an emotional void to console ourselves. So that's a whole different entity. And in, in like, that's a whole other issue that needs to be uh, talked about with this, because some people will say, oh, I tried it, but I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. Well, you know why? That little ditch demon in your head wanted to get the dopamine hit, wanted to get you right back to where you were eating your favorite foods. And you have to think long and hard about were you convincing yourself you can't do it? <laughs> because this is ancestrally man hunted animals and ate fatty meat and organs. Yep. Well, let's uh, quickly go through some, some myths here. So if people are unfamiliar with the carnivore diet, they haven't heard some of my previous podcasts, they may be thinking some of these things. And so uh, one myth is, okay, all this red meat, is bad for you is going to cause cancer. What would you say to yeah, that? That's that's going to be a myth that goes down as one of the biggest misconceptions of of all time. Um if that were the case then man for all this time who's out there hunting and eating fatty red meat would be extinct from heart disease. Um there would be no cardiologist like Dr. Ovadia who's not going to risk his own heart health. Right. So I, I kind of throw back, I actually just did a YouTube video that was called um, what to say to the naysayers, because these are such common topics that have come up over the years over and over again. And, and legitimately so why? Because everybody has been in that same position of being brainwashed of hearing from the media that we need to eat lots of fruits and vegetables. Oh, and guess what? You need to eat lean meat and fish. Oh, on top of that, let's do a meatless Monday too. It's the opposite. I, I, I start telling people, I just do the opposite of what they quote unquote tell me. I don't put sunscreen on. I spend a lot of time out in the sun. It's really important for our skin and to get in our eyes. I don't wear sunglasses all the time. I'm probably one of the very few eye doctors that will talk about how our eye is an is connected to the brain. And when you put sunglasses on, it sort of tricks your brain into thinking it's nighttime and it changes your hormones and does all sorts of things. And granted, there's time and place to have sunglasses on when you're on the water or the snow, or the beach. Um, where I'm not stupid. Um, and I wear it in the car because the windshield blocks the sun rays anyway. But there's so much to be said for doing your own research, becoming your own health advocate, and that's why when I, I saw what your podcast was all about, I was pretty excited to to know that there's somebody else out here who is sick and tired of this sick care system that we have sure. out here. And yeah. this is not about health. This is 
This is about pharmaceutical companies making trillions of dollars and the healthcare industry making trillions of dollars off of all these people. They're not telling diabetics it's reversible. Type two diabetes is completely reversible. They want everybody to keep taking their, you know, metformin and yeah. their, their drugs. Hundred percent. So you mentioned the fruits, fruits and vegetables, and that was the other myth uh, that I was going to ask about. But when people say, "Well, you know, you have to have the fruits and vegetables for the fiber, for the antioxidants, you know, and stuff like that," what what do you say yeah. to that? Yeah. So I, I I keep an actual whole little note on my iPad that has links to all sorts of scientists and physicians um, with different. Um, blog posts, different YouTube videos, uh, explaining why um, vegetables are really not all that healthy for us and that they have anti-nutrients. They have phytates, oxalates, um, things in them to protect them from to stay on this earth. And especially in the leaves where a predator would come up and eat, uh, they are the there's so much, there's so much oxalates in spinach. And I tell people, yes, yeah, spinach really isn't healthy. And they're like, what? I juice them all the time. Kale, kale, not so healthy. Go, go on YouTube and watch Dr. Paul Saladino talk about, you know, that kind of thing. And, and just start educating yourself from the grassroots ground up because nobody out there in the media is going to have any word about it not being healthy. Nobody. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> and and then I guess my last kind of question on that, I'm, I'm sure you're probably familiar with Walter Longo, who's done a lot of, you know, longevity studies and he talks about, you know, kind of protein sparing diets and, um, and, and so, you know, what's your thought on that as far as this higher protein um, that we, I mean, not as much as like a carnivore, but in the Western culture, we eat a lot of high protein, but that that's going to decrease longevity and, and decreasing protein is, is going to improve longevity. What's your thought on all that? Yeah, well, that's a tough one because we can't really, um, project longevity. I'm expecting to be climbing mountains well into my nineties, um, and, and, and beyond hopefully, uh, if, what I believe actually comes to be true, but yeah, I, I really, I really believe that, um, I don't need to eat blueberries to live longer. I don't need to seek out antioxidants and eat them on a daily basis because you know what, there's a lot of areas where primitive populations, the Eskimos, they didn't have access to any vegetation. Um, and, and, for the most part, these primitive societies only have access to what little vegetation is available in season. And, you know, you're not eating the, the fruit we have now is so genetically modified to be sugar bombs. Um, the fruit back then was um, tart cherries, crab apples, seeded bananas. Like it was not, rec it's not recognizable as what we have now, which Literally, they have grapes now called cotton candy grapes. They have a variety. And, uh, you know, I I just, you know, if, if I truly believed that I was shortening my life by eating too much protein, um, I, I have to say that, you know, maybe I would increase my fat and decrease my protein and do more of a, uh, a ketogenic where you do like 
80 to 90% mm-hmm. of your um, calories from fat and 10 to 20% from protein. But as of now, I feel so good. My health is perfect. My blood work is perfect that I just don't see any reason to change. I mean, my, my mom's had breast cancer, um, double mastectomy. My dad had melanoma, um, obese, diabetic, Parkinson's, stroke, all this stuff. I've watched, and, and my dad passed recently, and I watched the deterioration and it's not genetic. You know what I witnessed and realized is, you know, my, my dad had a love of, you know, I'd see how much mayonnaise and salad dressing and, you know, whatever, you know, the standard, I call it mm-hmm. the, instead of SAD being standard American diet, I call it the standard atrocious diet. And, but, you know, we certainly had roast beef and carrots and mashed potatoes on Sunday night. It wasn't like, but we had Entenmann's crumb cake. We had, you know, whatever, you know, the, the typical stuff, but I grew up and and saw um, what happened to the health of my parents. They unfortunately didn't want to listen to their daughter mm-hmm. when I, 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 but my brother, who's a type one diabetic, he did um, start paying attention and has uh, been having very positive benefits from switching over. But yeah, it's, it's really, it's, it's so tough. And I tell you, you know, you can, I say you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them carnivore. Each person has to have their own motivating reason to want to do this. Okay. Well, very nice. Uh, well, let's talk about how people can get a hold of you. So your website is uh, carnivore slash doctor.com. Yeah, carnivore uh, hyphen. I guess I said dash, but yeah, Yeah. uh, carnivore, carnivore doctor.com. Is that the, usually the best way to, for people to get up with you? Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say so. I I'm, I'm mainly on Instagram and YouTube. Um, I do, um, a lot of different videos. I'll do question and answer sessions. I go live every Tuesday night on YouTube and I just try to make myself accessible for anybody who has questions and who is attempting to come into this very, um, extraordinarily different way of eating, but so, so empowering and impactful to people's health that, um, I'm just so excited to, uh, keep spreading the word. Yeah. And, and you mentioned briefly, you also do these meetups, M E A T ups, uh, talk about what, what that is about. Yeah. So, um, Oh gosh, back when I started this, um, Charles Washington had the one of the original ones. He just said, hey, I'm going to be running a half marathon in Philly. Anybody want to come eat? And we, we typically go to Churrascarias, the Brazilian steakhouses, where they come around and just keep slicing off the meat for you. And um, I, I walked away from that feeling so empowered and so motivated to be around people who I felt normal. And they were eating the same way I did for all different reasons, but all of us with amazing outcomes. So just as time went on, um, I just started doing it myself now in the past three years since I, I kind of came out and made my Instagram and YouTube uh, out there. And I just decided that I want to be able to join people together. So every year here in New Jersey, I have what's called the Northeast meetup. It's now up to, I had to uh, 125 people. I had to cut it off. Um, and I I'm trying to, I'm attempting now to do a meetup in every state. 
And basically I just announced, and I, I actually just got the domain carnivoremeetup.com. So I'm going to make a website and have a universal spot where anybody who is hosting meetups can um, post. And then anybody can try to find one local to them because once you, once you gather with people and they're local and maybe once a month you, you get together and have discussions and, it's just really community and support is so important in this because we could be, you could feel mighty alone, very, very isolated when you are um, not uh, joining into the, uh, you know, the, the mountains of horrible food that so many people are eating around you. Yeah. Well, very nice. Um well, as we wrap up here, uh, I always ask my guests if they could give us one health tip that would make us healthier today. I have a feeling I know what you're going to say, but uh, what would you say to that? No, maybe you don't, because my my main thing right now is to say, because I really do believe even if you don't turn to carnivore because it's just too crazy and too, you know, you can't wrap your brain around that. But the one thing that I say is, Avoid seed oils like the plague, mm -hmm. like the plague, because it's so insidious. It, it really has such a long half-life. It stays in your body about six to eight years, even after just eating a single uh, side of French fries at a restaurant, the stuff embeds and is inflammatory. And I feel is very, very much a um, significant cause of disease. And I'm on a mission just because of macular degeneration, which my dad also had. Um, and I interviewed Dr. Chris Kenobi, an ophthalmologist who dedicated um, really his whole career now. Uh, he left practice because of um, really trying to get the message out about seed oils and not just macular degeneration, but every disease. And uh, yeah, so that would be the one thing that I think I would I would say as a health tip. Yeah, no, that's great advice. It's it's definitely uh, terrible for you. Um, well, very nice. Well, thank you so much for coming on, and it, it was uh, fun just to hear your story, uh, and and you know just motivational. And um, anything else you want to throw out there or that I didn't ask before we close up? Um, no, I think that's it. I you know I'm I'm I am one who I just feel if anybody has questions or anybody is, you know, seriously thinking that they, they want to give it a go that, you know, reach out, I'm here and I'm happy to help. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Excuse me, Dr. Lisa Wiedemann. Um, appreciate your time and I appreciate everyone listening as always. And we will talk to you next time. Thanks. Thank you for listening to FitRx. I invite you to share this with friends and family. If you would like, you can check out our website at vibrantlifedc.com or you can email me at drgreg at vibrantlifedc.com.